Hey everyone, welcome to Right On Radio. Yes, this is going to be a great show because we have a fantastic guest who uh, blew our channel up, quite honestly, when he was on last time, Mr. Kevin Annette. Uh, he listened, and I didn't give him a proper introduction. Did you know he has been nominated for three Nobel Prizes, and he's currently nominated for the Order of Canada, although the people in government probably are not real in favor of that right now, uh, which is a good sign. So we'll hand him the uh, the unofficial one and the badge of honor of, uh, of bringing this cobal down. So before I introduce my other co-host, let me just do this right on radio right on radio and of course we have kevin who i just introduced but you're seeing a new face no jesse did not get a change of hair color this is my right arm in the fight uh sarah is here jesse actually had to be out of the uh it couldn't be in the studio right now and I asked Sarah to come on and join because she asked questions of me that are super tough. So I'm going to see <laughs> if she could do it with Kevin as well. I'm glad to be here, Jeff. Thanks. Well, we're glad to have you, Sarah. And thank you for doing this, by the way. So let's get right to it. Uh, Kevin sent me a note. Uh, we've kept in contact since the show. Kevin is a busy man and he has a lot of updates. So, Kevin, let me just give you the floor at this point. Well, you know, as folks know, and this is even in the corporate media, about all the graves suddenly being acknowledged across Canada of young Native children and apparently other people too. And there was another announcement yesterday of an even larger set of graves found in Saskatchewan near former residential schools. Now, um, the very fact that that's in the news means a lot more people are coming forward. And I've had, I've been deluged by eyewitnesses, people have been working for many years to bring these graves out, Native people, and who've been stopped by their own chiefs. And you've got to understand that this is a long history of uh, the fact that the Mounties, the churches, the government, the Indian band councils, they all answer to the same authority, which is the so-called crown. And um, they all have a vested interest in keeping this stuff quiet. So it's been over the years, a uphill battle to get the truth of any of this out. I mean, to give you an example, an absurd example, 100 years apart, there's newspaper articles in Canada describing death rates of over 50% in these schools. Okay, that's a level higher than the slave trade, than the death camps of Europe. This is genocidal level massacre going on, usually by taking the healthy kids, sticking them in the same dorm with the, the the, the sick and then letting them die on mass. That was the usual method used. Even admitted in the Ottawa Citizen 1907, Globe and Mail 2007, repeating all of our stuff about the huge, the article uh, in the Globe that year was April 24th, 2007. You can look it up. It said, natives died in droves despite warning to Ottawa. And they quote my material and the records from the Indian Affairs showing that in one of the schools in the West, 69% of the kids were dead after one year seven out of ten children in the classroom are dead right so this the obvious corollary question is well then where did all the bodies go and uh the reality is in the early stages there was mass graves all over the place later they tended to burn um you know the remains but the point is that from a forensic point of view it doesn't matter the dna evidence is all over the place even in a inside a chimney um and so there should have been if we were living in a just world, we should have been in a massive investigation decades ago. 
Unfortunately, the, the Mounties and the Bank Council Chiefs have been systematically destroying these sites for many years. I've even had them admit that that's what they're doing. They're being caught in the act. So for suddenly this to show up, that they're, they're announcing all these graves, obviously there's a, something um, not, uh, what's the same, uh, the, uh, the same from Shakespeare, uh, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Um, so let, let me ask a, a couple know, the, questions here, Kevin. Um, so the first thing you quoted, a couple old newspaper articles and stuff like that. And, you know, this is mass genocide. The numbers are staggering. And and sometimes it has been reported, as you just stated, but there's never been a follow-up investigation. You know, sorry, we just found hundreds of dead bodies buried. Uh, it's reported, then it's out of the news the next day. Why is that? Well, that's a simple answer. And uh, they're run by lawyers. And the first thing a lawyer says is you you bury the evidence. And if the evidence finally comes out, you you embrace it. And you spin it in the direction you want, which is what they're doing now. They're, they're now beginning to suggest, put out uh, ideas that, well, yeah, there was a bad epidemic at one point in there. A lot of kids died from it, but it wasn't deliberate. And, you know, it's hard to find records. All of these open lies, you know, that we've disproven. In 2011, in, in the fall, I went to the Brantford School, the oldest uh, residential school death camp in, in Canada, the Mohawk Institute. And the elders there, the Grand River Mohawks, commissioned me and others to start the digs. We brought in forensic archaeologists and specialists. Uh, we did the ground penetrating radar. We found bones at the site where people said they buried them. We sent them off to the Smithsonian Institute. They turned out to be children, a young girl. Uh, one of them was a young girl, a prepubescent young girl. We sent that out to the world media. We got one response from the Mohawk community newspaper. That's it. Total blackout 10 years ago. Right Now they're all talking about it because some of the insiders in the Kamloops Band Council leaked this uh, grave destruction that was going on. And so the government then spun it in the way they're doing it now to make it look like, oh, you know, we're we're controlling the investigation, which is kind of like the serial killer appointing his judge and jury. Right. Like saying, I'll dig under my house and let you know what I find. I mean, that's about what's going on, really. Yeah. And the, the government literally just announced that the headline has Trudeau on it saying, you know, we're now the the government of Canada is now going to investigate what happened, and and they're making it sound like it's all in past tense. Right. Uh, but we have reason to believe this is still going on. Well, one of the releases we sent out last week, uh, we not only reiterated the twenty eight mass grave sites that we actually released to the government and the media back in two thousand and eight, uh, and that again, that's all up at murderbydecree.com. You can read it all there, but. Um, we once again reminded the media recently that this isn't just about graves in the past. Besides those 28 residential school sites, we identified six locations in British Columbia that are present body dumping sites where a lot of native people go missing. They're, they're in the northern area, China's taken over the whole province, really. But the uh, liquid natural gas and the areas there are right along what's called the Highway of Tears in northern BC. So a lot of these just Occurrences of whole native families are very closely tied to the Chinese uh, PetroChina and the other companies operating out there. They're just terrorizing people off their land and killing them. And there's several of these sites uh, that we named where they dump the bodies after. And so the past and the present genocide is all mixed up together. But like you said, the the you know brainwashing going on is that this all happened in the past. We're trying to do the right thing. Well, if they were trying to do the right thing, why did their mandate of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission said you cannot uh, 
name the names of people who kill children, and you can't put down as evidence any reference to a dead child in, in places where half the children died. I mean, that's the way the Canadian cover-up happens. It's so institutionalized. And, you know, unfortunately, 80% of people will believe what they're reading in the papers, and so the lie continues, and the deaths continue. Kevin, I have a question. So, you know, what happens, you know, as this truth is being uncovered, do you feel that if if there's not full disclosure of these issues, if that continues to be held as lies, you know, what's the implications of that? Oh, well, very simple. It's that, you know, in the past, they're going to continue them today against everybody. And the best example I have of that is one of the good examples, isn't the only one, but it's been the law in Canada since 1874 that if you're an Indian on a reservation, you cannot refuse medical treatment or shot in the arm. Um, and so mandatory vaccinations has been the norm with natives for many generations. I used to get as a minister in Port Alberni and in other communities, native women would often come to me saying that Health Canada doctor just showed up and shoved needles in their kid's arm. You know, and they couldn't do anything about it or they'd go to jail under the Indian Act. Well, it's like we're all living under the Indian Act now. They just applied that legislation, which is never passed in Parliament. It's order in council. It's a few bureaucrats in Ottawa passing a law. About 80% of the laws in Canada, including the COVID measures, the Indian Act, the residential school stuff, it's all done secretly behind doors. So obviously Trudeau, you know, professional liar, knows he can get away with it by saying this stuff because... You can kill an Indian in Canada and there's no legal consequence. They're not citizens under the law, the wards of the state, right? Like children under the law. You know, this, this, so they're not even recognized as human beings. You know, this is, this is so tragic. And, you know, Canada has had this global reputation of being the peacekeepers and the, the good country and we're the melting pot. And, you know, quite honestly, multiculturalism really does work in Canada. Uh, it is a peaceful nation, and there's a lot of really great things about Canada, but the dark side of it is really, really dark. And because the media is so controlled, and by the way, this is public information. Trudeau has been on TV bragging that he gave, you know, what was it, $565 million to buy off the press. And if you don't, if you put out a bad story about the government, guess what? You don't get your little bonus. Right. Well, you know, the funny, you mentioned melting pot. I love the joke about it, in a melting pot, everything on the bottom gets burnt and the scum rises to the top. Oh, that's, and, that's uh, not a joke. That's a great analogy. <laughs> that's exactly what happens because, you know, you can't advance in government or unless you know how to lie effectively. And, this, you know, they don't have any kind of interest in the truth because the truth condemns them. The evidence condemns them. But the criminals are in power and that's the political reality and that's why in order to do this work early on we put ourselves outside the jurisdiction of the crown we set up our own common law courts eventually the survivors in 2015 helped form the basis of the republic of connection within which we operate and it's funny because when we say look i'm not under when a cop shows up and uh, at anything we hold and the first thing i say to them is we're not under your jurisdiction we don't mm. recognize crown authority. It's the constitution. We're going against international law if we pay taxes to the Canadian government because they're convicted of genocide. And so our cop always steps back. We've never been 
taking up because they know it's true. They just don't want more people learning that, right? And, and so it's important to just say this uh, to, the listen, to the listening audience. Uh, Kevin is having a little bit of internet issues. I don't know if you're familiar with, if you realize that, uh, Kevin, but you have broken up a little bit as you speak. So uh, if you'll forgive me, sometimes I might have to ask you to repeat it. I think the general gist of everything you've said so far has come through, but you have been a little bit sporadic in your uh, in your connection. So I might okay. have to go back and, and visit a couple of these things again. That's fine. I, I just took the earbud off because in the past, that's been the problem. So if you can still hear me, I'll just use without the earbud. Yeah, actually, I, I hear you better now. <laughs> All right. Good. Very good. Do you so, want me to repeat any of that? Well, I think I think the gist of it came across. Yeah. Uh, but you started the common law courts and also I from your newsletters and stuff like that. Uh, because, you know, listen, this show is about taking action. This show is about people getting involved. Uh, we can never be complacent again, uh, people. And, you know, you mentioned that you, you know, you're organizing dig sites uh, and also the common law courts. We touched on the common law courts last time. And of course, I should say common law uh, training manual is one of Kevin's books and you really should get it. It's available on Amazon. You should go to his website, Murder by Decree. There's a wealth of information on there. Uh, but Kevin, you know, I guess... How could people really get involved? Like if they, uh, today I had a, an email from an ex-Canadian soldier who's heard about the trafficking, heard about this genocide, and he says, listen, how can I get involved? I'm a trained soldier. I'm willing to get in the fight. I want to, and I'm not, and I don't think he's saying I'm going to pick up arms and, you know, do these things. He wants to get involved. He actually wants to take action. So how could someone like this uh, Canadian soldier get involved in the fight? Well, you know, we've set up an umbrella Canadian Genocide Tribunal, uh, and that's the email, Canadian Genocide Tribunal at protonmail.com. And uh, we're setting up technical teams, um, forensic specialists. We've been invited into the territories of nine different Indigenous nations by their elders, not the state-funded chiefs, but the traditional elders and clan mothers. And um, we're actually, this is actually uh, an announcement that's going out tomorrow. We are um asking people to uh start a week of uh fasting and prayer starting july 1st and during the month of july to start taking actions with us so that would include things like um first of all telling these government crown agents to stand down from their destruction of these grave sites and tell forensic teams that are independent and under the guidance of the elders can come in and do that um start this uh, week of fasting and asking for guidance from the Great Spirit for this work, because we have to be cleansed internally from the complicity we've all been immersed in and the, you know, the lies in our heads about all this stuff. We've got to get clear first to do without work. Thirdly, one of the things we're doing is we want to enact international law and say to people all during July and beyond, we want to start getting people to reclaim these churches and lands and wealth they've stolen from us. So the Catholic, the Anglican, in the United Churches, uh, they'll be occupied. Their properties will be seized because under international law, convicted criminal institutions don't have the right to use their money anymore or their property. People can peacefully, lawfully occupy them and take them. Um, so we're just following the law. And finally, we're saying to the government of Canada, really ordering them because they're, occup they're occupying unceded land, we're saying uh, to Trudeau, to the governor general and others, you first have to 
revoked the tax exemptions and privileges of these churches or you're committing a crime. That's the first thing. And secondly, you have to surrender yourself before a tribunal for judgment because you're you're part of a criminal conspiracy. And uh, if we don't take that on, we're aiding and abetting a crime. And that's the, the underlying truth that we can't be complicit in these crimes any longer. So we're asking people, this will be coming out tomorrow. You can see it at murderbydecree.com. Uh, so our Republic of, uh, Republicofkanata.ca site, look under breaking news. All of that stuff will be up there tomorrow. So, Kevin, and that's wonderful. And I know uh, Sarah is probably going to have some comments on the power of fasting and things like that. In fact, she 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 fasts just for me. <laughs> I'm kidding, of that's course. Good. But uh, how how do you uh, if let's say you wanted to to bring a high level uh, government official into your court, how can you make them do it? Well, we deputize the police, and we've done that on occasion before. We say that. You've taken an oath, like every official in Canada is, takes it, has taken an oath of allegiance to Queen Elizabeth and her descendants, not to any lawful institution, not to the constitution or the people. Therefore, you're serving a criminally convicted foreign monarch and you need to stand down from that oath and act. We're giving them the chance to do the right thing. If they don't work, then any citizen can be deputized to make citizen arrests. Uh, even under Canadian law, the citizen arrest laws allow you to detain anyone who you think might harm somebody. Well, every Catholic priest is bound by their policy, which says when children are raped, you're not to tell the cops. That's a criminal conspiracy. So you can arrest any Catholic priest because you might suspect him of trafficking in children, which is very likely, considering that law they have in the Catholic Church, which is not binding on anyone. It's just their own club rule. And we don't have to be bound by any of that. Uh, and so there's a lot of things we can do, bring these people in, but also indict them publicly. And we know the power of public censure is very powerful. And uh, we've often had people in other governments come to us and say, "There, if you can show us the evidence in that, there is, there can be a move to start sanctions against Canada, economic sanctions, like happened during the environmental protests, you know, economic boycotts. Um, all of these measures, uh, a Canada like like country, uh, a country like Canada is very dependent on trade and tourism. It's very susceptible to that kind of international pressure. So all of those tools are within our grasp. We don't have to look to the system anymore with blood on its hands to do the right thing because it never will. Well, I love the power of the citizen's arrest. And, you know, that's why it really takes the masses. You know, I, I had a vision years ago, like literally more than two decades ago of you know, like a million citizens just circling and saying, no, 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 come with us, you know, uh, peacefully, of course. Uh, but, you know, you're dragging these people by the hair if necessary. And uh, let, let me tell you something, Jeff, it doesn't take that many. We've done it already. Uh, Vincent that happened and, you know, the, the memory of this was swabbed right out of the media after the apology in 2008. But right prior to that apology, what forced it is we were occupying churches in Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Toronto. And most of it were native people on the ground who are connected to our tribunal. And um, what we did is we went into these churches and escorted the priests out. They were banished. You might have noticed the two Catholic churches were just burned to the ground near Kamloops, British Columbia on June 21st, Aboriginal Awareness Day. Boom, two Catholic churches get torched. Um, that's an example of the extent of the determination of Native people to say, get the hell off our land now. And, you know, non-Native Canadians have to take the same stance 
we can finally break free of this colonial genocidal legacy, but it's up to each of us to do that. But the fact that two died in those churches, that made national media and it compelled the apology. So it doesn't take a lot. You got to do like Sun Tzu who says in the art of war, strike them at what they strike at what they love. And it doesn't matter how big they are. Your adversary will have to respond. You hit their money in public image. That's the two things that churches and government and big corporations uh, are sensitive to. So we have tremendous power. That's why we wrote the common law training manual and these other books, uh, because it shows people how they can do it and how it's won in the past. Right. So, so Kevin, um, one of the, the privileges that I have in working with Jeff and Jesse is, is being involved with what, a, a group, an activist group that we have called the SOS Army. And, you know, as we are learning about not just the genocide of, of people in Canada, but of horrible atrocities, you know, for children around the world. So, you know, in your opinion, what crossroads do we find ourselves just as ordinary citizens? I'm just an ordinary person um, learning about some of these atrocities for the very first time. So, you know, at what crossroads do we find ourselves, you know, as normal citizens and, and as we learn about this and, and what can we do to help? Well, start in your community. Um, you know, these are not just crimes about kids in Indian schools. The, the crimes continue all the time. And um, we have the power to simply say no, to um, issue our own stand-down orders to these people doing it. We know the locations, many places across Canada where still children are being actively trafficked, like the Vancouver Club, any of the major clubs in any big city, there's all of that going on with the collusion of the police and the courts and the judges. Um, so it's a matter of taking action. I remember we used to hold protests at the Vancouver Club and, and uh, just like at the churches, you would literally see people running out the other door um, because they were afraid of being exposed. And, and so that kind of direct action is always gets results because they know they're guilty and they're hypersensitive, um, you know, and, and so we've, we've been so, so successful up to now. It's a matter of keeping this memory alive of, you know, the only reason those graph, mass graves are being talked about now is because the movement we built over 25 years in Canada. And, uh, um, you know, so I, I would say do the education first and then murderbydecree.com and then plan ways in your community. You can go to the local Catholic Anglican United Churches and occupy them, take them over. They're standing empty anyway because of COVID. Just take them over and say, you people are off our land now, you know, and you owe reparations. Really what needs to happen is and, and hand it all over to their victims. I mean, that's one concrete thing they could, people could do, right? Excellent question, Sarah. So I guess question, Sarah, one so of the things that uh, comes to mind is, first of all, you know, the opposition, the people who have been doing this stuff because they've been so almighty and powerful, and this is an encouragement to you and the listening audience, they've never played defense. They didn't even plan for it. So when you catch them on their right. heels, that's why they're running out the door. Uh, but the other thing is, Kevin, have you ever had, uh, do you have video of, of these things happening when you go in to these places? Oh, lots and, of it. Yeah. We've got, where can they can find the videos? Because I, mean, I think you know, people like to see the examples. Oh, we didn't. We well, didn't you know, as a matter of fact, I'm working on. Oh, 
I'm working on a sequel, actually, to our first documentary, Unrepentant, which came out in 2007. It's really forced, it forced the apology as well. And um, because they were talking about it in the House of Commons and and right after that, the government announced the right? Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was their own investigation into themselves. But it, it was brought up by the fact that we put that evidence out. And as part of this, this sequel to the documentary, we're going to have a lot of that kind of footage of, you know, actions we took, um, you know, there, there was a hilarious example once where up in near Kamloops now, a bunch of us uh, went into the Catholic church and the priest not only ran out the back, but the next day they started admitting where all the graves were. And then they got silenced because obviously the local bishop told them to shut up about it. But this was in 2006. You know, I mean, this stuff like 15 years later, they're trying to create the impression they never knew about this stuff, but it, it's so obvious, it's so easy to expose these guys. Um, you know that that it, it's just a matter of pushing a bit. I find that when you take on the system, it's really like in the Wizard of Oz, the little guy behind the big mask. You know, they're not very impressive or intelligent. They think they're God, and they they can be brought down very easily. Very easily, and and Kevin, listen, we've talked offline when you're doing some events around here or whatever. I, I definitely want to show up. Um, and also if you're doing these things, we'll keep in touch because, you know, as Sarah mentioned, we have our SOS army and it's actually worldwide now it's growing really fast. And, you know, I could have boots on the ground with a second camera, uh, there to take it and to partake as well. You know, we want to join this fight with you. Well, I'm going to take you up on that brother and, um, and sisters, uh, because that's the only way to get results. And it, like I say, it, it it's not the, our numbers, but how organized and disciplined we are and where we strike. You always have to do what they don't expect. And, and that's our advantage. You don't forget they're a big monolith. And so they have to react only in certain ways. They're very sluggish and you can really outmaneuver institutions. And uh, we do that like we're a guerrilla army and, and we have all the advantages of it. So offline, well, let's talk, uh, especially during July when our whole campaign is going to heat up, um, you know, in the spiritual preparation and then the direct action at these churches and, the other thing that makes this interesting is that the very chiefs that are covering this up are now, and you follow the money on this, they're now uh, part of what's called the Trans Mountain Pipeline, which is sending most of Canadian oil now to China. And uh, the Chinese and the Trudeau government have actually made a deal with them where if the chiefs have agreed, we, if they would get rid of all the grave sites and cover up this whole issue of missing children in return for a piece of the action. So now, Trudeau, just two weeks after he admitted genocide in June 2019, allowed this uh, thing called Project Reconciliation, which is a native-run corporation on the West Coast, to take over most of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. So in effect, the native elites will be channeling all the oil and gas to China in exchange for selling out their people again and covering up these mass grave sites. That's what's really behind the Kamloops dig, that they tried to do that. Somebody in the bank council spilled the beans. They're trying to spin it now, but they, they can only spin so far because more and more people are waking to the fact that this is a criminal country we live in and it's up to us to create something different, right? Wow. Yeah. It, it, so just it, it came to mind and, and I don't know if this is related or not, but I'll just put the question to you. You know, the uh, Canadian government has a ton of Chinese troops here in Canada training 
in Canada. So first of all, you know, the, the, you know, it was exposed that they're learning our methods in winter warfare. So they know how to kill us on our own land. But does, does this relate to the stories that you're breaking, Kevin? Over 20 years ago, uh, working on the streets of Vancouver, um, I was hearing this from former Mounties. Edward Brown is a native uh, constable. He retired now from the Mounties. He was on my show uh, a couple of Sundays back. And he said that, uh, and I remember working with George years ago, he said the early report that came of the missing women whose bodies were found is that they were missing organs. And the general and responsible for organ trafficking in the Chinese prison sits on the board of directors of these liquid natural gas companies in Northern BC. Um, you know, so the Chinese have been a big presence, you know, and that was all covered up, of course. Trudeau passes the Foreign Investment Protection Act, which allows Chinese troops to be stationed on Canadian soil, removes all, all, all limits on, on what China can invest. And they're buying up the whole, especially the West Coast, we, I've personally seen these maneuvers off the West Coast between the Canadian Navy and the Chinese Navy. They've got troops on Salt Spring Island doing routine exercises. So yeah, the takeover is happening. And obviously they want to get rid of the, the genocide evidence from the past so they can keep doing it now. Uh, like they're how they're, they're wiping out the native families in the North with the help of their own chiefs. So, I mean, this is the bigger drama going on, right? And, and, you know, if you, if you think this is just about the natives or anything uh, to the listening audience, you, you've got another thing coming is we've got evidence. Literally, they've made the train cars with the clips on them, and you're going to be going in these train cars and being shipped out. Uh, that's their plans for you. Um, so that brings me to, you know, Sarah, I want to just go to you because you really are advanced in the spirit. You're in our, you know, you're in our top prayer group. You've been vetted. you you're highly trained in prayer. And Kevin's mentioning the fasting and the preparation for this uh, this time coming. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about the importance of that and what we should look for in it? Well, I just, you know, what we know, and, and, and Kevin, you alluded to it, you know, what we are in is a spiritual battle. Um, we're in a spiritual battle and, and, you know, we prepare ourselves and we prepare the things that we want um, you know, God's hand to bring us in this time, you know, so Kevin, one of the questions that I have, um, because we do have these strong prayer teams across the SOS army called strike force. And as we're entering, um, in wanting to support you and wanting to help you in your efforts, uh, you know, one of the things I heard you mention was the prayer and fasting in July. So as we enter into this spiritual battle, how can we support you in directing our prayers? Um, what excites you in this season? And how can we step in the gap uh, for the, the people? And how can we um, come alongside you uh, in your efforts and, and join in this prayer and fasting, you know, just absolutely targeted um, in your direction? Thank you. The fast and prayer for a week begins sunrise on July 1st, Thursday, July 1st. We'd ask everyone to, you know, intentionally ask God, the Great Spirit, however you imagine our higher power to be, for direction as to how to listen to the voices of the children. Because we find one of the things we found early on is I would go into the forest near these sites and the trees, 
the elders would advise me to sit near the tree and let the tree tell you uh, where these children are because they have the roots in the ground. They have the knowledge of this. And um, those kinds of things, not only, you know, relying on our own understanding of what we need to do, our own sense of innate justice in that, but asking especially for protection, especially for the children now, because on every reservation, children are routinely trafficked. That's one of the ways that the chiefs keep their power. They deal the drugs and the children on the reservations. And it's how you terrorize people and keep them in line as well. Uh, I've had so much experience of that. Um, and so we have to bring our, not just our, our spiritual protection, but our physical protection so that we literally stand between those people coming for those children and, and, and the children themselves, because the only way these things are ever stopped. And so I, I think it, it takes a really strong effort because often, you know, I find working in the Kamala movement and that people refer to themselves as awake. And, and yet the same people will step back when the first danger appears because they haven't made the inner shift. It's, it's kind of a head process for them, but they haven't made that inner break. Like we're, we live in this energetic reality where it, um, it controls us without us even knowing it. And one of the, I had the, the privilege of being part of a three different exorcisms over the years, first as a clergyman and then in Rome, the big one, <laughs> which we can talk about. But um, uh, when I had a vision in the course of that exorcism of this thing that had possessed this young native woman, and it was, it was like a hydra, you know, in biology class, a hydra with all the tentacles. It's almost, it was extended into everybody. And we had to make this conscious choice to snap that. But it's a hard process because it controls us emotionally and uh, it triggers our fears. And I've seen whole groups turn right around where suddenly they're working enthusiastically with us. And then boom, they're all taking part in the smear campaign. The RCMP organized smear campaign on me that goes back to 1998. They're suddenly becoming enemies. And I'm thinking that doesn't happen just through some kind of mind control technology. It's a spiritual assault this darkness is claiming people. And our only defense of that is, as we know, our higher power and our our love and our the, the things that they don't understand, the things that make us human, that they can't take from us once it's activated and we own it, right? So I, I think that that's all part of what you're talking about. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I certainly, certainly you know, often talk about, talk about on the armor of God, you know, before we enter into these these battles, but you know, one of the things that when we were speaking that spoke to me so loudly was you saying that we have to hear the voice of these children. And, um, you know, I, 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 it just uh, absolutely, you know, when you said that, I really felt uh, the Holy Spirit, frankly, I had chills on my arms and that that is absolutely it. We have to speak up and be the voice of these children um, and you, the of the children that are, you know, still with us yeah. and, and stand in that gap with our with our prayer and our fight. You know, how can we turn our faith into fight um, and direct it at the enemy? Um, so thank you. Yes. And, you know, I, I had. An early experience of that, I used to have dreams of children. This one young native girl used to come to me and and she, the first thing she ever said to me is, "I'm, we're in between the walls. She'd talk about being between the walls. And sure enough, up at Alert Bay, where I was led, uh, they excavated and found bones of young kids under the floorboards and between the walls, the Anglican school there. But of course, that got 
got destroyed very quickly by the RCMP. They moved in. That was back in 1999. Um, same old pattern, right? It, it, so we we need them, but there's still many of them out there in hidden graves that aren't known about. So they can help us be led to those sites. And, and Kevin, you had mentioned uh, the the big exorcism. I have to go there. You've piqued my curiosity on it, and uh, and maybe we'll get you to give that. And then I, I want to give a, a what I think is a very powerful closing statement to this broadcast. Okay. Well, I was called over to Europe after I got shut out in Canada after the apology, and I, I was censored out of the press, and they buried very effectively a lot of the memory of this work. Um, I was called over to, to Italy and in Ireland, and we set up this International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State and in 2009. And that same year, I, I went to Rome, and I was asked to do a ceremony outside the Vatican, St. Peter's Square, in memory of the children who had died, right, in their death camps. And uh, I brought soil from a Catholic a mass grave at, at the mission school, the Catholic school in Mission BC. And I was standing there, and <laughs> it's very strange because in St. Peter's Square, you're not allowed to stand there with a protest sign or any anything, or the Vatican police and the Rome, Roman police arrest you right away, right? So I got my stuff. I had my regalia, and I was standing there, and the thought came to me, this has got to be like an exorcism. This is not going to be like some ceremony. I want to speak to that entity right there and tell it to go, right? The name of Christ be gone, and it just came over me, and I did that. As I was doing it, these Vatican cops and other tourists were walking by me and they didn't say a word to me, which is very strange when you know how tightly shut down that place is, right? And secure and cameras everywhere. And, um, you know, later I realized I had that cloak of protection and perhaps even invisibility. But what happened after that, you know, I, in the first stage of an exorcism, you get the entity to name itself and it loses its power on that because you shine a light on it. And I did that. I asked, I told it to come out and, you know, I did the whole kind of traditional exorcism, right? The next day, a tornado hits the center of Rome. Uh, okay, we're talking, that was October 10th, 2011. I, I'm sorry, got the dates turned around. It was 2009, October 11th, 2009. So the next morning, October 12th, 2009, and we've got the Il Manifesto headline from that day. It shows all these things blown over in St. Peter's Square. A tornado hits the center of Rome for the first time in 40 years. Three days later, the European press issued the first reports about Pope Benedict's personal involvement in covering up child abuse and child deaths in the Catholic Church. Three days later. So it worked, okay? And everything since then has been like the, 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 the house of cards tumbling. You know, they bring in, uh, we forced out Ratzinger, the, Pope Benedict in 2013. Uh, in that court action, the Spanish government threatened to have him arrested, and he resigned six days later after they had looked at all our material. It's a big tsunami that's building, and uh, that's why the present pope, who's also implicated in these crimes, you know, jumped in to make a comment about Kamloops. They know their house is coming down. We just need to be stay clear and keep up the spiritual and and on the ground pressure. And it shows you it works. And that's you know I like to tell that story. What an amazing testimony, and and I'll just forward this to, thought to the Army. So one of the things, uh, Kevin, that uh, Jesse, my co-host, has has brought forth is we've she's been teaching us how to decipher codes, and we can actually find out which entities are over which areas and things like that. And we've we've been sending out prayer warriors going out and doing exactly what you did, you know, 
uh, and but also anointing it and claiming that land for Jesus and you know saying that this this evil has to end. So uh, I want to encourage people to keep doing that. We've got literally a big team working on it, and the Decipher team is doing such amazing work. And then people are going out and they're they're getting this oil and anointing the land. But you know, listen, if you think you you could be lackadaisical in this fight, ladies and gentlemen. These are human beings. They're not just Aboriginal kids. It could be your kids. So I'm talking to you, mom, dad, grandfather, uncle. If you're listening to this voice, you were not brought here by coincidence. That's right. It's because you're supposed to get up and do something. And that means less TV time. Yes, you actually have to get involved. Go to murderbydecree.com. Start getting involved in that. And this isn't just in Canada. Uh, listen, it's happening to people in your country, wherever you're listening to. But you need to get involved. And literally, we need this exorcism around the world. And you were given the authority in Jesus' name to do it. If you don't know Jesus, there's no more important message that I could give you is first get right with God and then walk in his authority. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show once again. Sarah, what a blessing to have you with us as well today. I, I know everyone's going to be thrilled to see you. People have only known you through, uh, you know, the, through Twitter feeds and things like that in the past. But uh, Sarah, what a delight it has been. And Kevin, we're going to stay in touch. We're going to get together. Uh, by the way, just I wanted to conclude with this. Uh, part of the way to get into that fight is exactly the power that Kevin was talking about. You can do a fast. You can start getting spiritually prepared for it. And a fast doesn't always have to be zero food or anything like that. You can just give up something and uh, but dedicate it to God and uh, make it make it somewhat sacrificial because it has a lot more weight when you do it. But get get prepared because I think July is going to be a hot month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a hot month. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you kindly. So well, thank you, Kevin. So I'm going to change my uh, little outro slightly this time. I'm going to say, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community by having an exorcism of it. <laughs> right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.